You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. And so we are in week three of a series called Out of the Dark. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about something so important right now, so relevant in our culture. We've been talking about mental and emotional health. And we've been talking particularly about many of the factors that contribute to depression and and what we can do with God's help to address them. Come on, the whole point of this series is that we don't have to be stuck. Sometimes when we're in an unhealthy place mentally and emotionally, we can feel overwhelmed, we can feel stuck, but we really believe with God's help, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can move forward together. Can I get a good amen? Somebody. We're in this together. We're believing for God to do a work in your life, a special work of healing throughout this series. And so today, we want to focus on something so important that I think almost everybody in here can relate to. We want to talk to you about life imbalance. Come on, how many of you can relate to this topic? Any of you ever feel like your life is a little bit out of whack sometimes, a little bit out of control? I think that's most of us. Dear, do you ever feel like you have experienced some life imbalance? Unfortunately, all the time. (laughs) But I'm learning to get better. But I do have a story to share. So I am going to, like, tell myself this morning, and you have to promise not to judge, okay? Because we all have bad days, and this was one of my really bad days. So a few years ago, um, Jeremy was out of town. He was at a conference, and I was home with the boys and carrying all the weight of everything, keeping up with the boys' schedule and doing everything I have to do at church. So I had two in school, and one was still home with me. And so we had gotten to the end of the week, crazy week, crazy Friday. A neighbor calls me and said, hey, would you mind picking up my kids? I had a little schedule conflict. And I'm like, sure, no big deal. Just throw them all in with the rest of my kids, and we'll just make it all work somehow. So I get to school. I pick up all the kids, I'm driving them back home, I'm dropping them off at their their stops at their driveway, and I get to my driveway, and I get a phone call from the school. Mrs. Ziegler, you forgot your youngest son here at the school. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag parent fail. Yes, the one who didn't even go to school was left at school. (laughs) So instantly, I became one of those parents that I never thought that I would become because I was too full, and I was overwhelmed with so much. And just to tell you the rest of the story for that day, Um, I called Jeremy. I was bawling. I had the whole mom guilt. I felt terrible, the whole thing. (laughs) Then we were late for a birthday party, so I threw my kids in the car. We went to the park for this birthday party. And then my youngest one, who I just forgot at school, who's sitting up here in the front row, um, fell off the monkey bars, broke his arm, and we spent the night in the ER. (laughs) So that was my... My crazy day. And so it was really eye-opening to me that um, my life was out of balance, right? I had too many things to where I forgot something that was super, super important, right? And so I had to really, like, re-look at my schedule and just kind of get things back in order. Talk about life and balance. Uh, The British journalist Johan Hari wrote this in his book, Lost Connections. He said, we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about imbalances in the way we live. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, more and more research is pointing to our lifestyles as the main factor that causes depression. Now, obviously, there are other factors that are beyond our our control, biology, maybe experiencing some kind of loss, but lifestyle choices contribute more to depression than, than we realize. If there was ever a factor, church, that's within our control, if there was ever a factor that's negatively impacting our mental and emotional health that we can actually do something about it, it's got to be this factor of life imbalance. So today we're, we're going to talk about how to get control of our lives and how to live within our limits so we can be more mentally and emotionally healthy. 
All right. So for the past few weeks, we have been studying the prophet Elijah. So Elijah was a great man of God, but he was also a human being, and he wrestled with depression. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, after a victorious showdown with 850 false prophets, he receives a death threat from the evil queen Jezebel, and he runs into the wilderness and spirals into depression. So let's continue the story, and let's read 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He was done, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was completely I've done. Enough. And I think we've all prayed that prayer before. Yep. Um, I know I have. I've said, God, I'm, I'm just, I've had it. I've had enough. I'm done. And Elijah was afraid, and so he ran for his life. And the text says he ran all the way to Beersheba, which was a hundred miles away, which is crazy. He ran so far until he wore himself out. Yeah, we talked about this in week one, but some of us have been running way too hard for way too long, and we're simply burnt out. And church, let me just tell you that burnt out is another way of of describing life imbalance. To be burnt out is to have a life that's out of control. And so here's the idea. Life imbalance happens when we live beyond our limits. Come on, church, I want you to know, like, you have a limit, whether you realize it or not. And you may think you're Superman or Superwoman, you're invincible, but we all have limits, every one of us. And life imbalance happens when we live beyond those limits. So today, we want to look at three of the most important areas where we tend to kind of naturally drift in the culture that we're living in to live beyond our limits. And it ends up negatively affecting our mental and emotional health. And so we're going to give you three factors. I want to invite you to take some notes. There's a spot in the Redemption app where you can take notes every week. So go ahead and open that up. Here's the first one. Number one would be living beyond our physical limits. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you have physical limits. Help me preach. You have physical limits. (laughs) Living beyond our physical limits. Now back to our story here, okay? So we looked at this passage last week. But let's review what happens next in Elijah's story. So Elijah gets this death threat from Jezebel. He's fearful. He runs away into the wilderness. He's exhausted. He's emotionally drained. He's physically drained. And let's look at what happens next in the story. 1 Kings 19, verses 5 through 8. Then he, Elijah, laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So what's so interesting is that when the angel appears to Elijah, notice that he doesn't focus on his spiritual needs right away. Notice he didn't say, Elijah, wake up, it's time to go pray. Elijah, wake up, it's time to read your Bible. No, he focuses on his physical needs first. Elijah, you need to eat something, right? Like you, you're exhausted, you're hungry. Like he, that's, that's where he was. he was. He was physically depleted. He was hungry. He had exhausted himself. Elijah was living beyond his physical limits. 
You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let me ask you a question. How's your temple doing? How are you doing taking care of your temple? Is your temple cracked and falling apart? How many of you feel like your temple's crumbling a little bit? Come on, some of you didn't even get a chance to get your temple like beach ready this summer. And now winter's already coming. <laughs> How are you doing with taking care of your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Stephen Elordi said this in his book, The Depression Cure. He said, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. How many of you know that sentence is a little bit convicting? And so we need to take a really good look at our physical limits and how that's affecting our mental and emotional health. Okay, so we're going to do something a little different this morning and be a little interactive. So when you came yes. in, you should have received this physical needs assessment. So hopefully everybody has one. If you don't, raise your hand, and our ushers will be happy to make sure that you get one. If you're joining us online, our hosts are going to be dropping a link in the chat right now, so you can go ahead and click on that so you can follow along. Don't be shy. Just slip your hand yeah, up. I want to make sure we get to everybody who wants to fill one out. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to be just honest with yourself. This is just for you. Nobody's going to see it. Um, and we're going to evaluate how we're doing in some of these areas, one being the worst and 10 being the best. And so you can go on the sliding scale in between. So let's look at the categories. The first one is going to be diet. So how are you doing with your health and your eating, right? Is your diet and your eating habits consistently enhancing or diminishing your health? The next one is going to be drinking water. How are you doing with drinking mm -hmm. water throughout the day? Then we have sleep. Do you wake up in the morning and feel rested? How are you doing with getting enough sleep so that we're rested each and every day? Then we have hobbies. Are you engaging in activities that are rejuvenating you, that are bringing joy and bringing life back to you? Exercise. Are you engaging in exercise to keep your body healthy? How are you doing with that one? And then the last one is rest and reflection. Are you making time to rest, to unplug, and to reflect and spend time with the Lord? So fill in those as you're doing that. And um, Jeremy and I had some time earlier this week to do ours, so we're going to go through ours together. So Jeremy, share with us uh, which area you need to work on the most, and then which one you've made some progress in and how you did it. Yeah, well, based on this assessment, I would say the, the one that I feel like I need to work on the most would be sleep. Um, I have to be honest, this description of I always get enough sleep each night to feel rested. That does not describe me, unfortunately. So like many of you, what happens to me is I'm about to go to bed and I check my phone like one last time and I see an email come through and I get sucked into work. Does that happen to anybody else? And I end up going to bed too late and, and uh, not waking up rested the next day. So one of the things I'm really trying to work on is getting into a better rhythm of just getting to bed earlier, get that phone in airplane mode and go to bed and, and wake up rested. So that's one for me to work on. Um, I would say an area where I've gotten a breakthrough, uh, where I've done a little bit better in recent years would be kind of a combination between hobbies and exercise. So one of the things I love to do is uh, to run, walk, hike. Um, we have some really nice trails not too far from our house. And so I get out, and it's really a two-for-one for me because I'll get out in prayer walk. Um, I just find that I, it's just so much easier for me to pray like under an open sky, open heaven. So I'll get out and pray, and I'll get a good walk or a good hike. And let me just tell you, it is so good for your mind. It, it'll help you reset mentally to get out in some fresh air, to get in some sunshine. So that's one that's really helped me in, in recent years. What about you, dear? That's great. So his best is actually my worst. <laughs> <laughs> so the one that I need to work on that I scored kind of low was exercise. 
So I need to do better there. Um, I have been trying to do better at walking after I take the boys and get them on the bus. Um, but I don't enjoy running, and so I know I need to do better at just finding sports. She just looks good without things. even exercising, man. So <laughs> he gets brownie points for that one, right? Um, so that's what I'm working on. Um, one that I have made some progress in in the last year is rest and reflection. Um, I've really um, begun to love and enjoy the discipline of enjoying a Sabbath. And so I've been doing better at taking my day off and just unplugging and really rejuvenating myself. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that's one I've been super intentional on. Yeah. And um, I'm working on that. So at the bottom of your sheet, there's some questions for you. So you can kind of reflect on this over the week. And maybe you want to grab an accountability partner or somebody that scored low in the same category that you scored low, and you can do it together, which would be great. So some things that you can think about is which one stands out most to you? Which category are you, is taking the greatest toll on your health, right? Our body is sending signals to us, constantly letting mm -hmm. us know when something is wrong. And if your body could speak, what would it say? Mm. That's a great question, right? Yeah. Would it say, just turn off Netflix and go to bed, right? <laughs> would it say, don't eat that second slice of pizza? That, that's my problem. My body always tells me to have the second slice of pizza. <laughs> that's how I got a dad right? bod. <laughs> So there are so many easy, healthy habits that we can do that we can embrace along the way, like eating better, drinking more water, getting enough sleep, exercising, right? Just finding a way to stretch and to move and to finding a hobby, something that really rejuvenates us. So I wonder how it would affect our health if we made improvements in all these areas, right? How, how much more would we be alert? How much healthier would be? How much would our mood change? See, Elijah needed sleep and nourishment before he could continue on his journey. Maybe the first step for us on this path to healing and restoration is to stop living beyond our physical means and just take care of our bodies. Amen. That's so good. And I just want to remind you, like, we're not just talking about getting in shape so we can look good in a bathing suit or something like that. Like, this is about how you feel, right? And how taking care of your body is affecting your mental and emotional health, maybe without you even realizing it. So let's start there and take care of our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're talking about three key areas where we tend to live beyond our limits, which end up negatively affecting our mental and emotional health. The second area would be, number two, living beyond our financial limits. Come on, how many of you, this one stresses you out, just hearing it right away? Like, I felt this stress even just this past week. Like, how many bills do we have coming in? How many expenses do we have? Like, the stress just started creeping up, living beyond our financial limits. So I just finished listening to Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections, uncovering the real causes of depression and the unexpected solutions. And in one of the chapters, he actually talks about the connection between materialism and depression. So Johann's friend Tim did research on what he calls the aspiration index, which measures how much people value material possessions, and then it correlates the findings with people's mental and emotional health. And here's what they found. Materialistic people had much higher levels of anxiety and depression. Now, I know nobody thinks they're materialistic, so let me state it this way. The more materialistic you become, the more likely you are to experience depression and anxiety. And so he talks about what psychologists say, that we have two basic motivations. The first motivation would be intrinsic motivations. Intrinsic motivations are the things that you do purely because you value them, not because you get anything out of them. So this would be like a child playing. Why does a child play? Because it's pure joy. It's just something that they enjoy 
doing. That's intrinsic motivation. The other category would be what we call extrinsic motivations. Extrinsic motivations are the things that you do not because you value them, but because you have to do them. Like getting out of bed in the morning to go to work, whether you feel like it or not, because you got to make some money to pay the bills. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This would be intrinsic, extrinsic motivation. So he gives an example in the book, like playing the piano for the pure joy of it would be intrinsic versus playing the piano in a dive bar to pay the rent. That would be extrinsic. Do you get the picture? So research, research shows that people who achieve their extrinsic goals didn't become happier as opposed to those who lived out of their intrinsic Values. Research consistently shows that the more materialistic uh, and extrinsically motivated you become, the more depressed you will be. Church, think about this. Yet, what does our culture preach to us? Our culture constantly preaches the opposite to us. Our culture constantly tells us the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be. Come on, every day we're bombarded with a thousand different messages that say your life sucks without this product. You would be happier if you had this. If you spent money on this, your life would be more complete. Here's the reality. The secular research is proving that that message is not true, that our, our culture has largely lied to us and told us, sold us this lie, that the more stuff you'll have, the happier you'll be, when it's actually the complete opposite. The more you arrange your life around that, I'm not saying you can't have anything nice, but the more materialistic you become, the more that drives you and becomes the priority of your life, the more you actually drift toward depression. And Johan actually uses this brilliant analogy of junk food. Just as we've largely shifted in our culture from eating like healthy, good food to, to junk food in our culture, we've shifted from having meaningful values to what he calls junk values. And here's what he said. Junk food is distorting our bodies. Junk values are distorting our minds. Materialism is KFC for the soul. Mic drop. It's so true though, isn't it? So it's helpful to think about all the values that, that guide what you do in life, the things that you do in life, the things you prioritize as a pie. Think about a pie chart, or maybe even better yet, think about a pizza and all the slices. Each value of your life is like a slice of pie. So there's your financial slice, there's your family slice, maybe your relationship slice, your recreation slice. Like We all have the slices that make up the whole pie of our lives. Here's the point. When you become obsessed with materialism and status, that slice becomes bigger. And the bigger one slice gets, the smaller the other slices get. So for example, you can stay later and later at work to make even more money, or you can go home at a decent time or even early to spend more time with your family. But how many of you know you can't do both? So when one slice gets bigger, as the materialistic slice of our values gets bigger, the other values get, cr get crowded out. That, that's such a powerful analogy to me because most of us don't think of ourselves as being materialistic, but, but we're always in this battle, right, with how much culture's pushing on us for a bigger slice of, of our lives. And so it's often the extrinsic values, the pressure of culture that push us to our financial limits, that disconnect us from the things that really matter, that really give us life. And we wonder why we end up feeling so unfulfilled and maybe even drifting toward depression at times. See, here's the thing, church. Deep down, we know the intrinsic values are the things that really matter. Spending time with family, having meaningful relationships, helping other people in need. Why? Because that's how God made us. That's the part of himself that he placed on the inside of us because we're made in his image. In fact, let me share two principles that God gave his people in the Old Testament to help them get in touch with, with those values and to not live beyond their financial limits. The first one is the tithe. 
Now, calm down for a minute because this really isn't a giving message. This is about having margin, some breathing room in your life. But the first one is the principle of the tithe. Look at this. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Here's what God said to the people. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So that's where we get this, the term tithes, as in tithes and offerings. It was a tenth. See, in ancient times, the Israelites, they didn't have banks. You, you didn't put your money in a bank. You, you, people stored their money or their valuable goods or their produce in, in their homes. And so every family knew, like, we can't live on everything that comes in because we have to honor God with the first 10% to support the temple and the priests and the sacrificial system and to care for the poor. And so this built into the Hebrew culture a sense of financial margin. Like the Jewish people live with this sense like we can't spend everything that comes in. We can't live beyond our financial limits because we have to stay in touch with the values that God has given us. Do you see how this was a gift to God's people? So many times we think of giving as an obligation or the tithe as an obligation. This was a gift that God gave his people to help them live with financial margin. Now, the second principle is what we call the law of gleaning, the law of gleaning. So the, in the Israelite context, they lived in an agricultural society, okay? So they lived hand to mouth, like what you can gather each day in harvesting the fields is what, you, is what you use to bake bread. So like they lived hand to mouth. It was totally what you gathered each day was your supply. And so God gives the people the law of gleaning. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, here's what God said to the people. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, think of a sheaf of wheat, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. In other words, don't keep everything for yourself. If you leave a little wheat behind, that's okay. Be generous. Leave it for those in need. God is saying, like, if you live within your financial limits and you create some space to be generous, I'm going to bless your life. There's a blessing that's going to come on your life. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice he didn't say God and Satan. Like he knew that there, there, there are plenty of people serving money, both rich and poor, who their every waking moment is obsessed, every thought is obsessed with money, and they don't even know they're serving it. See, church, here's what God knows about us. God knows that for the vast majority of us, the number one thing that will compete for our hearts is money. Money is the number one competitor for our, our hearts. It, it promises what only God can provide, security, freedom, significance. Come on, how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more, right? I think we can all identify with that. And so God comes along and gives us these principles in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and, and he invented giving for us Newsflash, he's God. He doesn't need your money. He's God. He has everything. God invented giving for us as a way of helping us live in touch with those intrinsic values that he placed inside of us to be mindful of our financial limits so that we're not living outside of our financial margin, stressed out all the time, and as a way of helping us break free from the ever-increasing grip of materialism that never leaves us satisfied and often, when taken to the extreme, contributes to our depression. Come on, God wants us to live within our financial limits. And church, I really believe that you can get a breakthrough in this area. For some of you, this is a contributing factor. It's adding so much stress on you, and it's leaving you mentally and emotionally unhealthy. And God wants to bring freedom and healing in this area of your life. So good. Okay, so remember that we're talking about three key areas 
that we tend to live beyond our limits. And so the third life imbalance that contributes to our being mentally and emotionally unhealthy is living beyond our time limits. Mm-hmm. Living beyond our time limits. Psalm 90:12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Okay, so this is language that we don't really use these days, right? Nobody says number our days, but we all do it, right? If you've ever had a big work presentation or a big deadline that was coming up or a wedding to plan or a baby was coming or maybe even making Christmas preparations, you knew exactly how many days you had until the big event, right? right? And knowing that your time was limited forced you to limit what you did with your time. When Christmas is only three days away and you still have to buy all your Christmas presents, you don't lounge around on the couch because you don't have time. When you have a big presentation at work, you don't reply to every minor email in your inbox because you have more important things to do. And so in this verse that we just read, Moses is asking God to help us live our whole lives with this perspective. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? That we would live with the wisdom when it comes to our time to understand the value of the limited supply of time. See, when we have an overwhelmed schedule, we end up with an underwhelmed soul. Mm. Isn't that so good? When we have an overwhelmed schedule, we end up with an underwhelmed soul. We're depleted, we have nothing to give, and we're just empty. And cramming as much as possible into each and every day is what we might call a two-handful mentality. So let's look a little deeper into what that is. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Okay, because we have two hands, we often feel like they both have to be full, right? How many times have you said, oh, I have a free hand, I can grab that, or I have two hands, I can help you. We do that physically with things, and how many times do we do that in our lives? We assume that just because we can do something, we should do something, but that's not true. Not everything that is doable is sustainable, and we weren't created for this nonstop pace, but we were designed in God's image, and even God himself rested. In Genesis, after creating the world, God set aside the seventh day to rest himself. And in Exodus, he commands us to do the same. So let's read Exodus 20, 8 through 10, and verse 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. For the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God calls the Sabbath day holy. He saw rest as something that was sacred, something that was beautiful. And the definition of biblical Sabbath is a day where we stop work, we enjoy rest, and we experience the goodness of God. Doesn't that sound amazing? How many of you want to do that, (laughs) right? Stop work, enjoy rest, and experience the goodness of God. But often, our struggle to rest really comes from our struggle to trust. So many times, we struggle to trust that we are who God says we are. We sang that song this morning in worship. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I'm chosen. And so many times, we have to remind ourselves that our identity has to be rooted in that. Right? We struggle to rest, or we struggle to trust that our values come from God and not our accomplishments. 
How many times are we guilty of going and going and doing more so we feel better about ourselves, so we feel more secure, so we feel like we actually accomplished something? And sometimes we struggle to trust that God is our provider, right? We take that extra time at work. We work overtime, pick up extra hours, pick up a second job to make more money instead of just trusting that God will provide all of our needs. And we struggle to trust that God is the one who holds the world together and not us. The world doesn't revolve around us. And we live in a society that is overstressed, over-anxious, and burned out. And it's pretty easy. The remedy is rest. God-blessed rest. And so this was something that I did not do so well on in the early years of our ministry I was guilty of working every day of the week. I had little ones at home. I was working way too many hours as we were planting this church. And so I kind of got on the imbalance side of life. And I found that it really affected me emotionally. It affected my health. And it just made me out of whack. And I'm sure you all have been there before. And even in that season, I struggled with little seasons of depression because my life was so out of order. And it's only been through my mentors and those who've been pouring into me and doing a lot of study on this and reading books that I've realized how important it is to keep the discipline of Sabbath, to making sure that we're taking that day that God commanded us to rest. Isn't that amazing? He commanded us to slow down, to bask in his presence, to have a day to do whatever we want, right? And so I have really embraced that in this past year, and it's been so good for me. It's been an area that I've really been just focused on. And so one thing recently that I've been doing is doing the Jewish Sabbath. So they Sabbath from 6 p.m. on a Friday night to 6 p.m. on a Saturday, and it's really worked well for my rhythm. Um, I can work all day Friday, and then I have my Friday night off, and then Saturday I can sleep in and do whatever I want. My favorite question is when Jeremy asks me, so what are your plans today on Saturday mornings? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. And so I can go for a walk. I can watch Netflix. I can work in the garden. And then at 6 o'clock, I can turn back on everything I have to do for church, which really is uh, prepping everything you see on the screen. And so that's what I would do with my Saturday nights. But it was really freeing to know that I could just turn it off during the day. But going from morning to night was really hard for me to do nothing, right, for work, which I'm sure you've been in that same circumstance before. So maybe this is new for you. Maybe you're not like a natural rester. Maybe you're a doer. And I want to encourage you to start small to start somewhere, to begin to exercise this discipline of Sabbathing, of unplugging, of spending more time with your family. And I think over time, as you allow that time that you do it expands, you're really going to see a difference in your life and in your health um, because it's better to know your limits and to uphold your boundaries and to create margin in your life. And all this contributes to us having better mental and health in our life. Amen. Amen. How many of you can identify with that one? How many of you need some more rest? Need to get intentional about that? And so church, let me just remind you, life and balance happens when we live beyond our limits. When we live beyond our limits. So let me just ask you this question today. What's setting your limits? What's setting your limits? What's influencing the way you live and the way you prioritize your life, the decisions you make, the things you prioritize? Because let me just say this, something is always competing to influence you. you. You can be influenced by this frenzied culture. You can be influenced by materialism, by this lie that the more stuff you have, the happier you're going to be. You can be influenced by, by fear, by comparing yourself and feeling like you're never going to have enough or you're never going to be as good as somebody else. Or you can live with 
within the limits that our good God is wanting to give you so that you can be healthy, whole, and at peace. Come on, he's a good God. He's a good God, and his limits are good. His principles are good. He wants you to live healthy. He wants you to live healthy and whole and at peace with him. You know, it's so fascinating that that the current research, secular research, is proving what God's people have known for thousands of years. It's proving the ancient wisdom of Scripture to be true, that we need limits in our lives. We need rest. We need Sabbath. We need, like, financial margin. We need something to set us free from the constant striving and all the financial stress. We, we need to be generous. Did you hear me? Like, we need to be generous. Giving gets you in touch with that part of, of God that he put inside of you, those intrinsic values where you know that it matters when you do something to bless someone else. Come on. Come on. We want something for you, not from you. This is why giving is so powerful. And I think about how really in every way in this church, The church has a way for us to express every one of these, to be in community, to give, to be more in touch with how we use our time, to come to church on the Sabbath and take a day of worship and rest, to have better margin with our time, with our priorities. And here's what I'm really believing, that as we get a breakthrough in each of these areas, and I know it's different for each one of us, we're all at a different place in life, a different place in our journey, but here's what I really believe for your church, as we get a breakthrough in each of these areas, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to us having better mental and emotional health. God is wanting to do a work in your life. And some of us haven't been paying attention. We've just been synced right up with this culture that's influencing us, that's telling us to go, 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 spend, 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 not take care of yourself. And you haven't even realized how much this is affecting your mental and emotional health. And when you get a breakthrough in this area, with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's going to bring healing to your life. Amen? Come on, how many of you want that? How many of you want that, church? Hey, why don't you stand with us? Amen. Why don't you stand with us this morning? We're going to pray into this. We're going to ask God to give us strength. We're going to ask him to give us wisdom, to show us some areas, and to give us grace in his strength, to take steps toward freedom and wholeness. Amy's going to pray for us. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we just come before you with our hearts wide open. And we just thank you, God, for making these things real to us today, Lord God. We ask for wisdom. Wisdom on how to make more room in our life. Wisdom how to set margin in our financial areas, Lord God, with our physical limits, Lord, with our time. We want everything to be covered by your grace and to be covered by your presence. And so, God, we just invite you into our homes and into our lives and into this church, Lord God, that you would just do what only you can do. We make room for you, Lord. And I ask, our God, that you help us to make these things a priority, to prioritize eating better and sleeping more and drinking water, some of the simple things that your word so graciously reminded us of today, to take better care of ourselves. And most importantly, that we would embrace rest, that we would embrace times to just be in your presence, to allow you to refill us with all that you have for us, God. So I pray that this wouldn't be something that we just hear and we walk out the door and forget about, but this would be something we put into action. And we just ask for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.